Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Today I'm speaking to Pierce Lee, who started as an entrepreneur and has over 30 years of industry experience in work, uh, workplace learning and innovation sector. Pierce is the Chief Strategy Officer at Learning Technologies Group, which is a company with offices around the world and has worked with the world's biggest brands to revolutionize the learning technology landscape. So thank you very much, Pierce, for joining me today and having me at your offices in downtown London. So Pleasure. Thank you. When most people think about learning at work, they often think about going away to a classroom and having a few hours of an instructor talking to them with possibly some exams on, on a computer and examples on computer. However, the workplace learning has really progressed from that and there are many, many innovative ways of, um, of helping people continuously learn and, and learn in, in ways that more easily integrate into their professional practice. So the word learning organizations is being thrown around a lot. And I just wanted to find out from you, what does a learning organization look like for you? What does that mean? Yes, the word or the phrase uh, is used quite a lot. But the question is whether anybody's actually achieved being a learning organization. And I think it would probably be safe to say that very few have. Okay. And in fact, one of our contentions is that where it comes to using technology, there are really very, very few organizations that have actually got strategic benefit out of the use of learning technology to this date. Okay. And one of the reasons why we actually formed uh, Learning Technologies Group back in 2013-14 was really to kind of try and address that in order to partner organizations with a set of products and services whereby the answer to the, to, to the question that's being asked by the client organization isn't always well it's it's obviously the answer is what we sell mm-hmm. uh, what we what we have is such a broad range of capability ranging from products to a whole different range of services through gaming through deep compliance expertise at two ends of a scale at blended learning at a, uh, consulting in order to set up learning strategies all of those sorts of things mm-hmm. we have um, put in place so that when we go and talk to our customers they are able to express what their strategic intent is and then we're able to respond with what we think the best way of implementing would be. And um, that really varies a huge amount from one organization to the next is what's going to land. And there are lots and lots of different examples where actually going and testing things and then seeing what works and actually then uh, refining that and then building on top of that and actually measuring the results of that. That's where we're going as an organization uh, in terms of a process of actually getting strategic benefits. And I think that, that that is now the to-do across this whole industry, really. So it's not enough to be bringing in, you're saying that companies bring in some kind of learning technology hoping to make learning more seamless, but that doesn't have the effect that it that it's intended without this bespoke coming in, finding out what the strategy is that they need to, to, to implement and 
Is so, that what it's missing? Is yeah, that so, testing so, and knowledge of a learner? So I think if, you, if you're interested, there is um, a, a, a report, which is a, it's actually a benchmark study, which is now, and I think in its 14th year uh, from something called Towards Maturity, where they um, benchmark 600, about 600 organizations a year. Okay. And what that's showing is, is that there is now a, a kind of evidence-based um, recording of the fact that people in organizations are kind of going, actually, this is more difficult to do than we thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And some of the evidence for that is things like, you know, we've just done a research study uh, looking at measuring the business impacts of learning, and everybody wants to measure the business impacts mm -hmm. of learning. You know, 96% of the people in L&D said they want to do it. For example, when it comes to using data to personalize learning into people, it's something like 21% are actually doing it. So mm. there's a massive gap between the reality of what people are doing right. and what they wish to do. And that's been true for quite a long time. That's what the benchmark shows that. You know, it's like nothing's changed. And, and, and then, so the that big, they're not using the technology. It's not that they're not using the technology. There's a lot of investment which goes into technology. Yeah. But as ever with these things, you know, as with any other technology mm -hmm. that anyone buys, it's a question of how you use it. Mm -hmm. That's much more, you know, a, a creative process. Yeah. And what we talk about is people, content, technology, and process. Mm -hmm. So those four things set against the culture of the organization and the business goals of the organization. So if you look at the whole thing in the round, mm -hmm. then you're, you're much more likely to get, to get, to get a successful implementation. But um, mostly uh, what we find is when we go into organizations and we are asked in a lot, say that we've got all of this or we've got some of this or we've got some components of it, but it isn't quite working. How do we make it work? Mm -hmm. It's normally because one of the kind of one of those essential pillars hasn't quite been worked through. Right. And I think there has been this concept that you would um, apply technology and you would put up a whole lot of learning and a whole lot of courses, for example, yes. for people to think about, and uh, that the world will come and take those courses and learn. And they talked about self-directed learning is exactly. one of the statements which is around a lot. Mm -hmm. And in our experience, it just doesn't work like that. You know, you've actually got to convince people, apart mm. from anything else, that spending time, mm -hmm. which is the thing that everybody's short of, right. learning while they work, is actually going to be an investment worth making. So what, you have to supply the evidence to somebody that actually it is going to help them do yeah. their job better or help the business perform better um, before anybody will actually kind of give the time to do that. So that, that, that whole thing about how do you create a learning culture is the first thing is, is you have to make sure that the business itself understands what difference learning can make. Right. And I think that's the problem so often, isn't it? I mean, I've talked to executives and heads of businesses, and they recognize that learning is important, but somehow learning needs to be measured, saying, well, why would I spend on it when, you know, how do I know how much of an impact it's going to have? How much? But it is an entire culture of that's changing for people to be happier and more productive and and to integrate these these new tools into their practice how do executives who run businesses get convinced that that's actually there is a connection when well, it's quite difficult to to directly draw a line between a learning and 
and profits. So I think I think that there is this belief. I think one of the reasons why leadership in business doesn't ask for this is because there is this belief that you know learning training, you know the old the, the old training yes. department used to be something that everyone knew they had to do. They didn't quite yeah. know what results it would get, but it was just sort of necessary. And you know you you would invest a certain amount of money, a percentage of budgets, and then mm -hmm. off it would go. Um, and one of the difficulties of that is that when budgets get slashed in the hard times, mm -hmm. then you know training and learning is one of them can be one of the first things that gets hit. Yes. And actually, the, there is a lot of evidence now to show that actually that's probably the opposite of what ought to happen. Because mm -hmm. of course, you know, in in, in, a, in a downturn, uh, then the thing to do is to make sure that the people that you have got are exceptionally good at what they do and be able mm -hmm. to take advantage of the as we know from history, inevitable upturn that yes. comes afterwards, and that doesn't always happen. So that effort to actually start to think about learning uh, as an investment which actually does have a return to it, and by the way, that return, people talk about ROI mm -hmm. studies, return on investment yeah. studies, actually quite often that isn't, you know, that it isn't about that, it's about return on expectation. Mm. So for example, you know, it's a we good were, term, actually, we, return on expectation. Right? We were involved in a huge um, exercise for the NHS, which is um, a master's, actually, which actually now has become the largest single master's program in Europe, which okay. is uh, which is about patient-focused leadership. And this is essentially driving a culture change in, in the NHS, or it was designed to drive mm -hmm. a culture change in the NHS, which is how do... How do we, how do we as leadership in the NHS actually make sure that the system is actually focused on the people that we're looking after? Mm -hmm. It's patient, patient yeah. focused care, patient focused leadership is therefore the result of that. And you know that, uh, as I say, um, has become one of the things where, if you look at what the result of that is, the return on expectation isn't about necessarily the the pounds. Uh, on the bottom line, it's actually about whether or not there's a glass of water by the patient's bed, and so you can start to measure those sorts of things in different ways. And just to kind of come back to the point, come back to the survey that we've just done, which you, I think you'd be interested in taking a look at. It's yes. on it's on the Leo Learning website, okay. which is the third year we've done it. One of the questions that we ask is, do people in L&D believe it's possible? To measure the business impact of, of learning, and okay. the answer is that literally, you know, in the high 90s percent feel that it is possible to do it. Mm -hmm. Because we wondered whether or not there was something whereby people that would go, is well, interesting. Actually, yeah. you can't do this. But of course, if you're going to set about actually investing money in the learning process, then the question that learning and development ought to be asking itself in the workplace is, well, what sh what metric are we trying to shift? Is mm -hmm. it customer satisfaction? Is it about people understanding concepts better so that they're more efficient? Is it about whatever it is, mm -hmm. I guarantee you the way business, modern business works, there is some data around the place to match it against to mm -hmm. see whether or not what you're doing is shifting the, shifting the dial at all. Right. And people don't realize that using big data techniques, which is which is what we're doing these days, yeah. you know, whereby you start to record lots and lots of different things, whereby you then see the patterns emerging from them, mm -hmm. actually does produce incredibly interesting results. Mm. Um, and it's just it's just that technique which is used a lot in marketing, it's used a lot in production and manufacturing, and you know, to actually get, you know, use data to actually work out what to do next and make it make the decisions data based yes um, that um, is just not quite yet happening in learning although it is in, in, in certain pockets is that something that your company helps to define for companies so Absolutely. that it's not an obvious 
Because very often it's a, just an obvious, how does it affect my bottom line? How do I end up saving? But this is something that what you do going to a company to say, let's figure out other measures that are important to you, customer satisfaction or um, other measures that, that you would value as an outcome. So you help them define these and, yes. then, <clears throat> and then how to measure them. Yes. Okay. And, and where the, where those data sources are liable to sit, how to go and talk to those people, how to then take data of different types and take that and take that into a single place where you can then visualize the output of that. And that's one of the businesses we have. It's called Watershed, based in Nashville, uh, which is specializes in doing exactly that okay. kind of activity. So what we've got is we've got the thinking um, that would be delivered at one end, which is the kind of strategy for how to go about doing this, and that can be in the widest sense of delivering learning and development across a business, mm -hmm. through to if, if somebody's running a particular campaign, actually looking at that campaign and then working out, you know, what are the KPIs, the key performance indicators mm -hmm. that sit in the business that that might affect, and then how do we actually go in and record some of those? And you can play with the design of the of, of the learning program mm -hmm. to actually. Uh, work out how you can work out how to measure it because obviously a lot of this is about change in behavior yes and there's lots of um, uh, evidence of, of kind of you know, projects in the past where people have gone measuring things and what they've wound up measuring is whether people have learned something mm -hmm. now that's great that's step one but actually there's lots of evidence of people mm -hmm. that have learned something but don't actually then go and demonstrate it in, in how they work. Exactly. They don't actually put it into practice. So what you're having to measure is the behavior change that goes with that and then you're measuring business impact which goes with it because you have to have what we call the chain of evidence that goes from one to the, you know, from one to the other. Right. But this is a very new development in, in, in workplace learning, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so, uh, so we we set out to, as, a, as an organization, to deliver this because we think that um, you know, part of relevance in learning and about people um, giving up their time to learn mm -hmm. while they work in this incredibly busy world, part of that, you know, you've got to have very high quality deliverables. Uh, it's got to be good. It's got to work mobile, mm -hmm. particularly if anybody's in management, it's got to work mobile because people yeah. do this stuff on the run mm, when they're traveling and that yeah. sort of thing but you've also got to be able to measure it. And the reason why you've got to measure it, partly to find out whether all your different channels, and I'll come back to that, are working. It's, it's also to make sure that you can say to somebody who's about to invest their time, this will make a difference, mm -hmm. and show how it's made difference to the pilot audience or to you know, whoever else it is that's going to work. And as you build this stuff out and start rolling out learning campaigns, mm -hmm. that actually people can see that it's working and therefore, what you then get, and you, this is the biggest single blocker of, of learning activity inside large organizations, is you get managers actually requesting their people to do this learning and to give up the time. Because okay. mostly when you've got people who are talking about doing some learning, you know, quite often it's management, their managers were saying, no, get back to work. Yeah. Okay. Whereas if the managers can actually see that there is a benefit to their person doing this or their team doing this, that actually it's going to change the metrics on their performance in some way, then they'll get them to go and do it. Right. So it's, it's a big issue now. And then, of course, the other kind of great big issue which everyone's fighting the moment is the one of engagement. Again, it's the same sort of thing because that's relevance and all those. But what it means is, is that if you're, going to, if you're going to use technology, mobiles, mm -hmm. PCs, 
any kind of VR, AR, any of these sorts of new technologies to engage people, then what you put out on that has got to be good. Yes. Okay, and it's got to actually engage people. So if it's a game, it's got to be, as far as we're concerned, kind of consumer-grade game. There's no point in putting something which is dressed up, right. you know, to look like a game, but in fact it's quite clear. Yeah, so you have some very interesting learning. case studies in, on your website that, yeah. that show how nicely you take a, take people through that in a game fashion. So how do you, you know, go into a company and they say, well, we already have courses, we already send people on courses, we have a learning section in our, in our company, why would we need you? What is the element that convinces people that actually this is a much more complex and you need learning specialists and you need people who look at the organization overall and do measurements and all those different uh, strategies. How do you convince them that actually these one-off courses, that training? Well, I, I think you said I'd spent 30 years in, in the business and that's, that, that is the case. Okay. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, um, working through the 80s, you know, we were working with um, the likes of IBM who were using their technology to actually, when they first, the PC first came out, you mm -hmm. know, to, to roll out the PC across Europe and how did they train all the people in what a PC was and what, mm -hmm. a, what was a word processing program. So it was very obviously kind of a technology business using their own technology to help train people because they worked out okay. if they got everybody out of the new, new, newly formed dealerships to go and learn about this stuff, they'd never be facing the customer. So right. they just literally couldn't. Uh, do it the old way, they had to do it the new way, and that was back in the 80s. What we're finding is, is that digital transformation across businesses is is kind of just accelerating that way beyond you know anything that we could have envisaged in terms of the speed of change mm -hmm. that's happening in businesses, and therefore we have to rethink how we equip people to mm -hmm. think about and to learn about what it is they're going to be doing next. Because the old world where people used to have a course and they used to send people on and book them in and mm -hmm. maybe work out this year what they were going to do next year, I'm afraid it's too slow. Yeah, and exactly. so you have to have much more immediate ways of reaching very much larger numbers of people. Mm -hmm. Where you've got, um, you know, we, we talk about um, speed and complexity. There's two things happening. One is everything's getting more complex. Mm -hmm. And if you're in government or anything, you know, all the legislation is much more complex and the, you know, uh, the speed at which laws come into, into being, you know, all, all going faster. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that those things get, get, and then in business, clearly everything's changing incredibly quickly and exactly. things are developing with, you know, driven a lot by technology. So then the question is, how do you use technology in order to answer the problem that's created? Mm -hmm. And that process of thinking that through has really kind of been picking up steam for you know this whole period of time and it's 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 getting to a very interesting point where people are really beginning to understand all the different mechanics involved in actually okay. making this work across a workforce so um, so so what what going back to your point about courses i mean i'd say one of the things key things i would say is, is that if you're using technology and you'll recognize this from the entertainment world or from almost it is, is that we're talking about multi-channel mm -hmm. here. Everything is actually not about a course and, you know, a room and a booking. It's actually about how do you reach people the way that they now receive and learn and do mm -hmm. things. And the answer is they're using technology and mobile all the time in that process. Right. Um, they're using a lot of uh, social learning, a lot of community, a lot of those sorts of things. They're receiving content in small bite-sized nuggets, actually in between doing other things and quite a lot of, 
you know, what one might call multi multitasking, mm-hmm. but actually it isn't multitasking, it's just switching very quickly from one thing to the next. Mm-hmm. And so therefore the learning needs to be designed in a way that fits with modern life. Mm-hmm. It's it's as simple as that. And there are, you know, what's the expertise? Well there are some experts around who are called we call learning designers mm-hmm. who are able to cross you know all of these multi channels and design experiences for people which involve you know, we talk about learning campaigns. We talk about not sort of putting people through. You know, I think we all know. You know, in terms of learning theory, that actually, kind of, if you, if you teach something somebody in a classroom, there's you know, there's, a, there's the Ebbinghaus curve, which we all mm-hmm. know affects people. So it's just that how can technology actually help people put the thing they've learnt into practice for enough time before they actually put it into practice yes. and work and get it cemented and then get it measured and get it. You know, it's those sorts of things where. When you start to think about it, it's like the possibilities are just so fantastic in ways of helping people. But what's not understood is the is the how to design experiences which actually fit with people's lives and mm-hmm. are nice experiences. Mostly, uh, these things have been a bit clunky, to be quite honest, and they need to be better designed. Right, because of course everyone always says that they want to hire people who are excited to be learning and people who are continuously wanting to learn, but today every industry and almost every employee has to be continuously learning and you can't really expect everybody to be that sort of person or to necessarily have the time so you need to build it into the workflow that it's a continuous bite-sized reinforcement in such a way that it becomes it becomes part of your practice without it being one big course and then you sort of forget about it isn't it yeah um and technology can certainly help us to do that yeah what do you think is one of the bigger challenges for companies when they're trying to think about doing this before they bring someone like you in? What do you think that they kind of miss in that process of creating this environment where they can seamlessly help their employees learn and adapt to the new to the new things in their environment? I think, I think in the past, um, one of the things that's happened is that there's been this great argument about sort of e-learning or digital versus classroom or something like that, you know, and everybody's been kind of polarized around this and going, okay, well, and then blended learning has been partly in the classroom, partly, you know, delivered digitally. Whereas the truth of the matter is, if you think about it as a learning experience, you actually just completely stop thinking about whether it's digital or whether it's classroom and think about what's the best Mm -hmm. medium for actually being able to help someone learn a particular piece and then how do you design that? You know, we still get it. People come along and say, look, we've got these courses, we want to digitize yeah. them. Right. And it's just like, if anyone actually comes to us and says that, we go, don't digitize courses. Mm-hmm. Think about what it is you're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's the underlying learning? What's the outcome that you want by having mm-hmm. done this? And then retranslate that into a piece of digitally thought through design. And that may well be that actually you still need to have, you know, workshops and people gathering and you know moments with people where you where you do the behavioral side of something or you do some transformation or there are, there are some things that you know in learning which actually hugely require people coming together and doing mm-hmm. that um, what we've discovered is, is that the power of virtual classroom designed very well means that people can come together virtually but actually still be have the benefit of actually mm-hmm. learning from each other yes. that can be designed incredibly well uh, it can also be designed incredibly badly to put off a whole generation of people from the concept of being able to learn by that because people do boring webinars where they press on mm-hmm. and then they talk for 
you know, 55 minutes and then press off. Yeah. And of course, that doesn't engage people and everybody's doing their emails in the background or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Whereas actually, if you design quite interactive, we, we've actually we designed a whole game for an organization which was around, it's a card game, which actually uh, was a method of uh, getting the whole strategy understood across the organization where people were playing different cards of the virtually strategy. Or but virtually? They were playing it virtually using, okay. um, using virtual classroom. Oh, and it worked really, really well. And it got people cross functions, you know, playing together and working across businesses and across countries and that sort of thing. And um, it was just fantastic. But of course, it required that little bit of creativity to Mm -hmm. actually think that through and think through, okay, this particular learning organization with this particular requirement has these kind of facilities Mm -hmm. and therefore how are we going to use those best? Right. So I think that, you know, when you go back to the original question, which is how do people, you know, why do people get us in? I think that, you know, in the past, and what I was trying to say, you know, back in the early days was I probably spent about 15 years with people really not that interested and it was a very, very hard sell to get anyone interested in what we were doing, honestly. Recently, you know, we're finding that people actually really are asking us for help uh, and come in and say, okay, we've got this you know, particular issue, uh, we've got this challenge, and we've got this opportunity, and we don't know how to kind of reach these, but we need to get them from here to there. Mm-hmm. Please come and help us do that. That's really and good. that, you know, that's a really interesting conundrum for us. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing more and more of that. And it's like, what systems and technologies might one use for that? What, what design thinking might one use? Mm-hmm. And it's the combination of those two things. And I think that that leads me to another kind of point, which is kind of what's happened over the over the last few years, is that quite often organisations will come out from, with for a technology from one area, and they'll come out with the request for content from another as if they're completely divorced. Mm, okay. Whereas, of course, we all know that the the really interesting things that are happening in, in technology-based learning in, in the use of technology in learning is when those two things are thought through with a single design process. Yes, exactly. So that's and that's still a that's still a thing. Okay. You know, people are still coming out for the system on the one hand, and, but it's it's becoming a kind of known area. Um, you see more workplace, organi- you know, organisations coming out for learning experience platforms. Okay. Again, you know, this is something where the hardware industry, I guess, is sort of. The software industry has has, has, has kind of convinced uh, the market that there is an answer in a piece of technology, and is now going okay. Learning experience platform that will solve everything for you. Mm. In fact, of course, the truth is is that it depends what you put onto that learning experience platform. Mm. But the concept of actually, as opposed to having a kind of a place where you put a thousand courses, mm-hmm. actually having something that will take you through an experience, mm. you know, is definitely going in the right direction. But you've still got to design that experience, and that that experience has still got to relate to something the business actually wants to do. And sometimes it's a mixture of the technology with the face-to-face or something completely non-technical, isn't it? Designing maybe the people come together physically and use the technology, or maybe they... 100%. Yeah, it's a combination. Because so often in schools, uh, I've seen this, and, uh, and organizations where, as you said, they think the golden silver bullet is the is the technology and everything's available on an app but actually finding the right app finding the right way of integrating it is that's the real uh, that's where the real learning specialists come in don't they? well I've, and I think you know we're, we're coming back to where, where 
we started our conversation earlier on around schools and application in schools, you know, that whole thing about how do you actually integrate a learning experience which is schools based mm -hmm. and then, you know, lots of people working at the moment defining what a school is and sure. learning outside the schools. But the fact is that there are schools and, you know, teachers are playing an incredibly important role. And the question is how do you design something where you're where you're helping those people mm -hmm. to actually redefine how education works and how you can actually then do the thing which you know if you ask me what what's the great promise of technology it's about mm -hmm. being able to personalize learning mm -hmm. and be able to actually get learning so that school kids in particular don't get bored mm -hmm. you know because actually they're having to go at a certain mm -hmm. pace you can see that happening now you know that is happening and particularly in, mm -hmm. in maths which is one of the things we were talking yes. about you know with we were involved in the very early stage of the commercial products of the BBC designing BBC Bite Size right. Maths. That was mm -hmm. in 1995. Yes, yes, yeah. And um, there are now things going on using very, very large, uh, with Pearson, for example, using very large amounts of, uh, of data across half a million people doing maths in the US, mm -hmm. whereby they're getting results of actually getting people who are sort of 40% quicker to, to exam results because they're, instead of giving everyone maths in a, in a sequence of years mm. they're actually giving them the whole of the maths from in, in, in secondary education and then you can progress through that as fast as, as you can and the next thing you're given is based on data from what other, half a million other people are doing mm. and so that, that's great it doesn't we can't quite apply that in corporate learning because corporate learning is so diverse that, you know mm -hmm. across different organizations you don't have this huge body of people doing the yes, same exactly. thing it needs to be much um, more customized but that concept of actually being able to help people to meet them where they are and for teachers being able to be to be much more kind of personalized in what they're doing rather than by cohort um, you know of using that in the best way and that, you know how that gets designed it's incredibly subtle and you know there are lots of great examples and turning education on its head and learning by discovery and all of those sorts of things but the point is is that that movement is actually not the technology is enabling something but the actual thought process of what they're doing is is a creative and, and an approach side of things that actually is the important point in that it is isn't it because so often people think that people are removed from the technology if we have the technology it's removing people from the teaching or from the training but in fact it's making it much much more critical to have good teachers and good trainers and think through the learning process even more when you're mm. integrating technology, isn't it? Because you do need to think, where am I trying to get? Where am I trying to, to, to achieve? So what do you think is the turning point in companies and organizations understanding the complexity, trying to create an environment in which people can continuously learn so that all of the changes happening with technology, with policy, with everything that's changing business every day, to create an environment in which we can more seamlessly, continuously learn? I think it's inevitably a gradual process, you know, uh, I think that sometimes, you know, we see progress accelerating when there's, when there's a big recession, for example, okay. uh, because actually they can't afford to do it the old way, therefore there needs to be you know, some acceleration of thinking about how to do it. But I think it's a gradual process and I think that there is still a very large number who unfortunately have experienced kind of e-learning in, in, the, in the click, click, click sort mm -hmm. of style of that, whereby they would still go, and particularly in the finance community, I don't like e-learning, 
Mm-hmm. And they, they do everything possible to kind of not want to do that. And it takes actually people seeing something which has been well designed and well thought through and a great experience and a great learning experience to change that. Mm-hmm. But of course that takes time as well for people to see that and to see that actually there is a different way of doing this. So I think that while you have people who are leading businesses who don't quite get that mm-hmm. and also secondly the um, the fact that, that learning can can transform the organization, i.e. can really can actually change performance. Those two things, and that's the measuring business impact point. Yeah. Um, we now have lots of evidence that can, you can literally transform an organization or parts of organizations where, where, where you apply learning and development well. Mm-hmm. And I think that those people that do it sometimes actually keep quite quiet. Do they want when they realize that they're doing because it gives them a competitive edge. Oh, I see, right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that it, is, it is part of their competitive edge. Mm-hmm. And so we are. I, I guess over the last many years, you know, we've probably been saying, you know, we're just on the edge of something. But the fact is that there is always innovation going on. There are always developments, and gradually those things which are, you know, that we've been doing and developing are becoming now kind of they're being asked for. Right. You know, as opposed to us having to put it in as an innovative way of doing something in the future. There, you know, it's now becoming the norm. Mm. Uh, micro-learning, the concept of micro-learning, everybody's kind of slightly at this precise point latched onto that, so everything mm. comes out as micro-learning, mm. even if it's not appropriate. And mm. part of the reason for you know, wanting to partner with organizations to go, well, that, as you know, that, that may, may not be the best thing to do in that in this circumstance. So those sorts of things, this, this concept of people learning while they work and being able to make that happen and for everything to go mobile, you know, that's becoming a, a, a distinct demand, you know, so that everything is responsive so you can make things once and it go out across all, all formats. Mm-hmm. That's an incredibly important trend which is now an assumed thing. Equally, some of the developments in terms of being able to record learning. So we have a business in the US called Rustacy that are the world experts, if you like, in the whole thing of, of how you record learning. Mm-hmm. They effectively, well, they were commissioned by uh, ADL, Advanced Distributed Learning, to design SCORE, which is the method by which you can record a piece of electronic learning, the fact that someone's progressing through it and what their score is. Okay. They did that, and their their engine sits in about 200 learning management systems, mm-hmm. well, actually, no, about 400 learning management systems around the world. Mm-hmm. And they are you know, central to the new development, which is around something called XAPI, the Experience API. Okay. And that is something that now the Department of Defense in, in the US is actually kind of going, when they go out and procure, they're going, okay, actually, you really should have, should the XAPI enabled so that they can record all kinds of learning into learning record stores in order to be able to then have the data that we're mm-hmm. talking about in order to be able to measure. Mm. And, you know, it's those organizations, defense, aviation, you know, who actually really require to know that people have learned and have been trained mm-hmm. in what they're doing, right. who, who quite often drive the innovation in these things. So those sorts of things are happening. And that's a turning, that's really you know, that's a turning point. That happened, you know, end of last year um, and um, will drive thinking in that area. Usually in any kind of transformation, when someone is, is achieving something, there's a point which becomes a particular challenge. Yeah. So in, when companies go through and they succeed in making this 
learning environment, is there a particular challenge that they face at some point before they get to that? I, I think that the, the, to a certain extent, it's, it's the over, I think you talked about it earlier, it's the overarching glue, which is normally the, the, the challenge. And the okay. glue is between the areas which I, which I talked about, which is people, process, content, technology. Mm-hmm. Those, those set against the culture of the organization because you can actually get the processes right. You can get the involvement of people right. You can get the technology right. You can get some great content. But if you've actually missed culture of the organization or what will land in a particular organization mm-hmm. quite often you can't tell that unless you pilot it test it see how people are feeling about it how mm-hmm. it's coming across if you miss on any of those things then you, then you potentially have a, an outright failure on your hands or something which is suboptimal at mm-hmm. the very least if you actually go through what we call the process mm-hmm. and actually think those things through then you're much more likely to have a success mm-hmm. and it's that simple and the fact that people the organizations need to take the time to, for you to be able to test and try things out without saying just give me something out of the box that works. Isn't that a bit of a tendency sometimes when they say just give me something yes, that works? Yes, uh, yeah, of course, of course there is that. But what's interesting, you know, we, we just had um, two or three things, you know, even like this year where people have come along and said actually we want to pay you to think this through mm-hmm. uh, and so we're going to we're going to we're going to do a kind of an initial stage mm-hmm. which isn't and quite often in the past you can probably imagine people come out with tenders or whatever and they say give us the answer mm-hmm. and then we're going to do mm-hmm. that actually there's a realization now that actually there is there are, there's expertise out there and it's not just us there are other organizations that do this where that you can call in people who are learning designers, who are technologists, who spend a bit of time looking at the issue and actually coming up with how to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just seeing more organisations coming out and being, but, you know, we have to persuade them. Mm-hmm. They don't normally just come out saying, right, we're going to do a discovery phase. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they've seen the benefit of doing that, they do it and more and more organisations are doing that now. That's really good. That is really interesting. Wow, so what do you recommend to a company or an organization where they're trying to trying to make this transition before they come to someone like you what should what would you recommend to them to think about I, I think I think one thing and that is what is the alignment to the strategy of the organization to any learning that they may be thinking about mm-hmm. and the first thing is is any of it necessary okay so then you go okay so then you pare it down to okay what is this people in this organization or in groups, pockets of the organization, absolutely, you know, need, need, need help in being educated in. Do they think that? Yeah. And if they think that, then that's great. That's part of your kind of change management and your motivation. If they don't think it, potentially it's the, the, the way, the language that you're using, mm. um, in which case change the language. But just get that connection between the strategic goal of the organization and what people think they want get that into a form which says okay here's where we need to move people they're here and here's where they need to be next and then come with that conundrum Mm -hmm. nothing to do with medium nothing to do with you know the precise messages and then nothing to do all of those things which are the precise business outcomes and the the learning outcomes that come from that Mm -hmm. we will help develop alongside as a collaborative exercise If, if they want to go further then obviously is, is business outcomes and learning outcomes, but in, within the workplace, we now insist that because you can do learning outcomes 
but if you haven't done the business outcome that's associated with it, you're liable to lose sight of what the strategic goal is. Yes. So it's each bit of something is, is defining that. So the further down the track that somebody can go with actually defining the outcome that's required like mm -hmm. that, the better. That's really interesting. Oh, thank you so much. That's really, really insightful. And, uh, and it's great to hear about your experience. And on a final, final note, is there some kind of recommendation of a book or an article or something that you think is, is useful in this, that's inspiring, or something that inspired you in this field? I think um, I would... First of all, just point to the piece of research that, that Leo did. I yeah. you know, just just had to take a look at that because that's just really simple and, mm -hmm. and easy. Um, in terms of something to read, which is uh, something that I've just actually got recently, but heard, which is um, Patrick and Daniel Suskin talking about uh, AI and its effects on the professions mm -hmm. and kind of what's going to happen with that. I think that in, in workplace learning terms, you know, what, what they're saying is that, you know, I think the stat is that 80% of job roles uh, will change or be redefined by 2022. That's according to Gartner. Mm -hmm. And the, so that's incredibly soon. You know, mm. this isn't 20 years time. This is, yeah. this is really soon. Mm. And what they are saying, which I completely uh, buy into, is that it isn't that whole job roles are going to go, although some will, mm -hmm. but mostly it won't be that. It'll be that 30% of people's current job roles will go because it'll just be done better, faster, mm -hmm. and cheaper yeah. by a machine. So that means there's then 30% of something that they were doing that now needs to be uh, that, that, that now needs to be filled. Um, and so there's 30% of new skills to learn. And it's actually just understanding that and the pace of change at which that's going to happen and then the requirement because suddenly if you look at the other part which is the demographics and that's just a question of looking at, at the demographics mm -hmm. and the studies by University of Oxford and Harvard and various others which are saying uh, that you can't go the people on the market are just not there because of the demographics of what's going on you, you know large organizations will not be able to just go and hire en masse the skills mm. that they need. They're going to have to develop those skills in, 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 you know, internally. So I think any reading around that particular yes. area is, is very interesting. And how true. We need to recognize as soon as someone graduates, when they start working already, they're going to have to learn something new. So that's a really important realization that you can't always be hiring the latest talent because yes. you need to be continuously learning. And, and, and that concept is something which is still not quite there. You know, there, there is... Everyone says it's there. Yes. The, the truth is, is that it's still this understanding that you get qualified in something, and then you can, can run your career exactly. from that point onwards. And that that is just not going to happen in the mm -hmm. future. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be the requirement for continuous learning. Mm -hmm. But people may not even call it that. They may just call it work. Yes, exactly. You know, it's just part of work, and that and that that's what we've got to design. Yes, that's what your you and your company is doing right now is making that a more enjoyable and seamless process so great well thank you so so much i really appreciate your time no problem